My name is Tamara Sullivan, and um, my, my partner Julie and I run the Farm Direct Co-op, and uh, we're a, uh, let's see, what do we call ourselves? A hybrid CSA farm share. So uh, our job is to uh, procure local organic and um, food and products, and then we get it to the consumers, the people in our neighborhoods and towns. Good morning, Tammy. Can I say Tammy? Can I, I can call it Tammy, right? Or only, like? my, only my mother. Oh, Tamara then. Definitely Tamara. Tamara and Julie, good morning. Um, how did you guys start this business? I mean, um, wh who are you? Where did you come from? And how did this farm share? What was that moment that you decided this is the route that I want to go to feed the community? Okay, Julie, do you want to take this one? You're, you're good at this one. Sure. Well, it, it, it's interesting. So this started... Uh, by some other people. We did not actually found the Farm Direct Co-op. It started with six families, uh, six consumer families looking for a farmer back in 1993. Tamara and I both joined the co-op as young mothers. We had babies, we wanted organic food, and then within a very short amount of time, and this is about 20 years ago, we were employed by the Farm Direct Co-op. <laughs> um, and then it took off from there. So uh, once we sort of had our hands in it, we grew it, we changed it, although it is still really the model it always was. It's consumers looking for farms and products, and, and uh, we just expanded from veggies and fruits to we work with 40 different farms and 70, 80, or 90 different producers over the course of a year. That is a lot of individuals that you are juggling as well as the individuals that you are feeding. So how are you building that? So you, you, the, the company evolved, but how are you forming those relationships? Um, it went from the families to you guys, and yet you're still trying to, you, you had the farms, um, you had the distributors that you were working on, and you added to that. How are you able to build that trust, um, make sure that the food is being produced the right way, um, and making sure that the end user is saying, oh my God, I know where my food is coming from. They're fantastic. I throw a lot of questions to you, but I mean, the relationships with all these people, how are you maintaining them, especially right now during the pandemic? I think um, our, our greatest asset in how we have grown over the years is word of mouth. We didn't even consider advertising for a long time. Um, maybe year 15 or, or 18, we didn't do any advertising because we didn't need to. Uh, I think the product kind of, we're very lucky in that the product speaks for itself and people join. Um, there's a nice sense of community among the members uh, and we have relationships with the people who come to pick up food. It's not just a clinical transaction. A lot of the people I've known for 20 years or, and it's just, oh, oh and the food is so good. It's so fresh because we do our own, all of our own trucking. So the food that people are getting we have picked up at the farms that morning. Um, and, and in today's landscape of getting food from grocery stores, normally food has to go through a distributorship first. So the food, no matter what, has been sitting around a little bit and people aren't used to having food that was picked either that day or the day before. And um, they join and they like it and they tell their friends and that's it's taking care of itself. We're very lucky in that regard. And in the relationship with the growers, uh, we, going back, 
you know, many, many, many years, we had this one farmer and we asked the hard questions. How do you grow? What do you use? What are your, what are your methods? And then from there, it became, hey, do you have a, a neighbor who grows strawberries organically? And what about a safe blueberry grower? Because organic blueberries are hard up here, but they're IPM. But the person who's very careful about their integrated pest management, you know, they don't just blank spray. And so there are conversations where I have to say, are these yours? Like, did you grow this or are you being a broker for someone else? Are what products are you using? Which means I have to somehow learn about pesticides that, you know, you say that in organic growing, it's like, what? There are some few items that are allowed. So I have to have those conversations. And though we do truly have relationships and I, when I talk to farmers, I call them, I email them, I text them, that <laughs> everyone's different. And there are a huge range of ages in the farmers that we're working with. Um, so, so everybody has their own methods. Some like to bargain, some like to just say, this is it. You know, and I have to kind of like, I, there's some I get to massage, there's others like, you know, verbally, there's others I get to like, just say, all right, this is what I want. Or others are like, come on, come on. <laughs> and um, and it's, it's has not been that challenging to keep that relationship up because all of those channels are still available. There are so many farmer markers. I so like full disclosure, I use you guys. I love you. I I get so excited because um, when you are part of a farm share compared to going to the market, I go to the market, I buy the same foods, I make the same things. It's so boring, but I have my routine. I get excited because I never know week to week what you guys are gonna have. And then I'm like Googling, I'm like, what is this? I have no idea what this is. How do you cook it? And I'm experimenting with things. It's just, just challenging my mind. And I feel that that every week when we go and pick up our food, I'm watching my neighbors do the same thing. They're like, what are you going to make with this one? Do you have a recipe? And, and you guys are providing resources in regards to recipes and people posting photos. So I do love that you're challenging not just our, our health, but also our minds in regards of thinking bigger and better meals versus the same old, same old every single day. Um, there are so many farmer markets that are out there that you see um, in the city. Um, and, and, and I'm always, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm horrified when you're, it's in the middle of the city and all the cars are going and the food is sitting there. And I'm like, I don't know if I really want the food that's sitting outside with all this, all the cars driving back and forth. Um, why did you decide to work with towns specifically um, versus just like mass, like just like a mass production of farm shares and just like sitting in a stand somewhere? Well, I mean, it's kind of a homegrown, and then Julie, I see you were gonna—you took a breath to speak. I'll, you can, uh, you, you can ever turn. It's it's kind of just uh, grown up out of the five families or six families sharing. You know, people come together to collect the food, and that's part of what we do. It is a, it's, it's a cooperative. It's not a, a store. Right, and and to and to uh, repeat that the the six families at the very beginning, uh, they were really interested in sustainable agriculture. They were interested in this idea of a CSA that was newish. They also wanted to bring a farmer's market into town. So the town is Marblehead where we began. And the farmer's market, you know, some of the people who founded the co-op branched off and created the farmer's market and some of them stayed with the co-op and they asked the town to provide a piece of land. And so when we branched off into Salem, we went to the town, to the park and rec department, and we said, could we have a piece of land? And they said, yes. And then when we branched off to Melrose, we asked the same question. And they looked at us 
quizzically, but then they said yes. <laughs> so we have been in relationship. And so we, we go to the park and rec department and we ask for permission on an annual basis. And we have always gotten it, knock on wood. Do you see yourself growing because, I mean, more and more people are, um, they're scared, they're horrified to go to a market, plain and simple. They're just, it's no longer about um, the food being at the market for a long time. Um, people have come to accustomed to like, I'm just going to buy it. Yes, it spoils, then I throw it away, this food waste. Um, but now people are scared. They're, they, they don't want to go to market and they're, they are, they're getting creative with what's in the cabinet. I'm like, I go, now I'm down to the bare bones. I have to go to the market. Um, but I need alternatives. And now you're in three different towns. Do you see yourself growing because of this? Tomorrow? Well, well we actually have grown uh, um, over the, the last, I don't know, five, 10 years. CSAs, how, Julie, how old is the idea of CSAs since the? I think it was 86 or 89. Okay, so, so co-ops, uh, you know, CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture. That's been around for a long time. And over the last, like, you know, five or so years, the participation level has been starting to decline, which we attribute to uh, people's lifestyles. Um, you know, if there's two people in a household, they're both working. Um, and people are, are going more toward, like, meal kit delivery systems and all of that. Uh, so, you know, we've been, like, before COVID, we were like, okay, we got to do some marketing this year. Uh, what's our strategy? You know, our numbers uh, at first plateaued, and then they were starting to drop a tiny bit. And we're like, okay, no, we can't do this. But then, you know, enter COVID-19, and suddenly we're full to capacity in April and have a 200-person wait list that we would love to be able to accommodate. Um, I'm sorry, wait, wait, you have a how many wait list? At least 200 people on the wait list right now. It's 220. 220. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. I was like, I, that number is staggering. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I, I would like, to, you know, I, what I see when I see that wait list is people who want to participate in local agriculture. And I want to accommodate that and for so many reasons. Um, one being they're scared and they want the food. The other is that it's an opportunity for people to learn about the, the, this wonderful thing called eating local. Um, so before we can, we can do anything about that, uh, Julie and I first need to assess uh, availability and uh, of produce, that is, um, and just to see if there's a possibility that we might be able to offer at least some sort of a box share to the people on the wait list. But to be continued, we're, we're working on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing. Um, people, to, uh, to piggyback on that, that, that questioning of uh, growth, uh, the wait list is long. Um, you're hearing about how chicken and the meat situation is getting worse and worse. And so more people are going to go on to vegetables, fruits, living. Um, are you afraid or are you concerned or you have, are you having that conversation with the farmers um, about mass producing or keeping that, the, the, the honesty of, hey, if we run out, we run out. Um, but don't, we're not using, not using um, unethical ways of growing fruits and vegetables to get a, a higher yield. Honestly, I, I would not expect any of the growers that we work with to even consider that, that I would need to have that conversation. It would be more like, can you get more land 
to plant more? Do you have the staff? Do you have the crew to support the needs that we have? Because not only have we blown up and become the bell of the ball, so have their own CSAs and some of the farmers that we work with have created their own collaborative. Mm -hmm. So there might be, um, you know, four or five farmers that we work with who have started a um, home delivery service in their community. So now they're supporting that many more hundreds of people and they're supporting their own CSA at a larger pace and us at full numbers. So in terms of volume, I would, I would hope that they have it available, but I, I honestly know that that's not a concern. Um, there's a few farmers that I know who are maybe, um, into, uh, they're a food hub themselves and they supply, um, farm to school and so they might already be pulling things in uh, and they might make things available but I wouldn't ask for those things do you know what I mean like they might be growing or buying something from a regional system but because we want only locally grown to us in Massachusetts we have like one farm in New Hampshire just over the border everybody else is Massachusetts it's a non-issue uh, the farm direct co-op did uh, put a down payment down on some uh, beefers and mm -hmm. lamb uh, that will be grazed in our name so grass-fed beef and that we will then collect in the fall uh, which I've done as a sort of homesteader yet many years ago when I had kids at home we would like cow share uh, but the co-op has never done it and I thought you know people want it we buy from this farm anyway so I thought why don't we just put it down ahead of time it, it will go people will people will want this absolutely I mean I I have um, I I get my meat from ButcherBox and I love supporting businesses that actually can produce and bring to my home. I know where I can find my food, which is always a good thing. Um, education. I feel that right now you are the, the meccas of educating the community in regards of different foods. What are the, I mean, as this is happening, um, um, Tamara mentioned how it wasn't a, you guys were moving so fast that the marketing and things were on the list, but not, the top priority and now it is um, what are you doing in regards to the marketing to educate a brand new community including the people on the wait list of what you're doing how you're doing it how they should be aware what they should be looking for I mean just the entire education about this new world that they're wanting to be part of because again it was easy to go to the market it was easy to get a box delivered with all the things make a food make your meal that you didn't know where it even came from but now this is like a whole new education for individuals where like how does it work how do I how do I get more involved in it? What should I do as a consumer to educate other people about this? Well, that that has percolated to the very top of the list, um, and we're just gonna we, we'll do it by email. We'll we'll start uh, just having conversations with people on the wait list, sort of apprise them of the situation that that we discussed uh, moments ago, and um, we it's running um, having the sense of community and educating people on the ground where I'm just, <clears throat> excuse me, chatting with people, that's gonna be much harder. So we will be relying on, on email and uh, to talk to the members and, and social media, Facebook, we have our Facebook group, um, just to keep in contact and, and let them know where we are and help each other when, where, when it's needed to also help with our, our sense of community. Our newsletter is a, is a forum for uh, recipes, but it's also a forum for storytelling about our history. And uh, this is not actually unprecedented. I, I 
honestly don't remember exactly the year, but it was about 11 or 12 years ago, we had a 250 person wait list because we only operated on one day. So then we opened up a second day. We used to be Thursday only, now we're Tuesday, Thursday. That year was a year of education. It was a year of, we're not a service, we're a community. We, uh, you know, that peach that you squeeze and put back belongs to your fellow co-op member. Wait, wait, time, time. I know that Tamara has to go to a doctor's appointment. I love that we're doing these telemarketing, tele, telemedas. So um, enjoy your doctor's appointment. <laughs> and we're going to continue on with Julie. Okay, thank you. I'll, I'll be in touch via email. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Julie. No, that's fine. That's fine. So uh, I was saying that it's not unprecedented that we did have a, a giant wait list back in, I don't remember, it was 2010 maybe. And uh, You mean the last time we had the world implode? No, actually, it just happened that we were, we were popular, but we only operated on a Thursday. But yes, you're right. The world did. I remember. <laughs> I remember the world did implode at that time. Yes, that's when I was buying a house and it was like, wait. Uh, <laughs> So we we had to we had to educate hundreds of people. Like used to, it used to be, you know, maybe maybe twenty percent of the people wouldn't rejoin. They'd move. Something would happen, and then we'd get new members. But they'd come to the depot. They'd overhear people talk about what they're going to do with their kale. They would say, "What do I do with fennel?" And you know, and it, they would they would just get absorbed, and it, it was natural, and it was it was all um, it was easy. But then with this giant chunk of new people, it was challenging. This year, interestingly, we looked at the numbers and I think we really do only have about 20% new people, even though we're, we're very full. A lot of our members are returning members because they appreciate what we do. No, so we, honestly, I mean, I love, I love what you do. I love the friendliness. Um, I love seeing the neighbors. I mean, like you, look at what time it is. I mean, and there's the alert, like there's the early birds, like we're, it's like we're there on time and we get to see each other. And so I, we do appreciate it. Um, and I get excited about what's in the bag. Why? I mean, what's the newest thing? Um, with all the concerns of like before we could just grab our foods, like how are you keeping it safe for people to grab their food and go? So that's uh, probably longer than we have conversation, but Tamara and myself and our assistant manager, Marion, just had a three hour uh, meeting two days ago about that. Uh, every location is probably going to operate a little bit differently. Uh, Marblehead is requesting that it remain the same as it did in the preseason as a drive-through situation. So members will not be picking out their own food. When the COVID restrictions are lifted or lightened, then we will reassess what to do. In Melrose and Salem, um, Melrose is maybe gonna start out as a drive-through and then allow people in. And our plan is, to have it be a one-way situation with, uh, we're gonna buy some extra tents, we're gonna broaden it. Uh, and then we're thinking about having a sign-up genius slot. So we can we, we figured out we could take about eight people per 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they would come in and there would sort of be only one person at a station at a time as they're collecting their special orders, then they're collecting their vegetables, then fruit and so on. Um, we're going to have people approach uh, sanitize their hands, mm -hmm. sign in, then have a hand washing station. Then uh, during the one way all the way through, they're taking their own items and we're thinking a reverse circle, sort of a horseshoe. So yep. the staff is on the inside feeding the food to the tables and the members are on the outside. So you can still pick your own thing, but that whole trying to weigh the perfect amount is probably going to be done by staff. And this is all 
we think. And granted, it's opening in two weeks, but we're going to have lots of contingency plans and maybe some extra staff. Volunteers will have to be really diligent. We are we got some masks from a member who made us a dozen and another member is making us some more. And then we'll have disposable for volunteers, gloves. I, that's the protocol. So that's the way we have to do it. I think that's um, one of the things that I love the most about small businesses, um, small businesses, nonprofits, the people that I, that I work with the most is that you can pivot um, very quickly. Um, you can adapt, you're agile. Um, you throw out the word. Um, it's, it's amazing because people are, so a lot of people aren't flexible. Um, and for you, you have to be, you, not only do you have to be, but you are flexible for them, for their well-being, for their benefits. And I mean, and um, I appreciate that, but a lot of other people appreciate it as well. Um, what have you done during this time, this time of just rebooting reflection? What have you done? I mean, you have a family, everyone's home, um, schools are canceled. I mean, what has, how has life been for you running a business, but having that family and then for yourself? So, um, so my, my kids are actually in their 20s and one had just moved out in February. So he's not home anymore. And my other one is off at college. So I'm also a registered yoga teacher and I taught right before this interview. So I've had to learn how to teach via Zoom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then because I'm a yoga teacher and because I, I know that there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say pressure, but I will say pressure to learn a new skill, learn a language, do something. It's like, this is hard enough. Mask wearing for hours at a time is exhausting. Yes. And being careful, it's all exhausting. So give yourself a break if you haven't learned anything new. But I would say that um, we're eating a lot of homemade meals. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the co-op has never, uh, we had never ever distributed in March or April before. Yeah. So that's brand new for us and learning to do this drive-through and package and rent space from a local pickle maker who has a commercial kitchen, like all of these new things. So so that has put me in a different workspace. But uh, I will say I sewed a lot of homemade masks. I sent some to my children and I sent some to my family. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I learned anything else new other than, um, you know, I need to stop eating so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's everyone. I mean, um, I personally can't wait till you're open um, on June 1st because I've attempted to make bread many times and failed many times. Um, I can't get it. Everyone is posting these, these epically beautiful photos. My mom's a chef, and yet I cannot make bread. Like, <laughs> Bread is special, though. Baking is special. That's not cooking. I don't bake. I cook. I can, I can cook. Well, that's the thing. I can bake and cook. I can't make bread. It drives me crazy. <laughs> um, in a perfect world, um, all of this ends tomorrow, and we get to go back to our new normal. Um, what's your first day look like? I mean, I know your first day is in two weeks, but what does your first day outside of all these different obstacles look like for you? Oh, um, you know, I think I've already been doing it. I think because the co-op has been happening and we've been, you know, gloves and masks and all of that. But uh, I think in a way it might actually be a little bit more challenging because everyone will be coming out ready for something more normal. And then all of a sudden everybody's out and we're all close. And I, I think it, it involves a little trust, yeah. trust in our fellow humans. Um, and on, um, not only trust, but kindness. Um, I think that's right now people are coming out. Um, you're hearing it on the news. I mean, it was 
there was no crying, no anger, no nothing for quite some time. It was actually lovely. And now you're hearing and seeing people because the anxiety is so high. People are being forced to go back to work and they're not ready to go back to work and, and markets. I mean, people that, that have been working so hard at the markets, at the co-ops, et cetera, um, are feeling it. Um, my former love is from Vermont and um, his mom works at a co-op in Montpelier and I check on her and I'm like, well, how's everyone's personality? They're like, well, in our little town of Montpelier, it's still nice, but we're getting people from, um, I mean, from they're in Adamant, they're getting people from Montpelier coming to Adamant, this little tiny town with a co-op and people are just angry. And she's like, like, why? Like, why come here and be angry? Like, what flower and you guys have it? And she's like, hi, we're going to be, we're going to give you the flower. Just calm down, calm down. Um, yeah. if, if there was an ask that you wanted to put out there for yourself and for just anyone that's listening, um, what would be the ask for professionally and personally for you? And, and you're going to speak for tomorrow as well, maybe. Sure. I think it's important to support local and know where, what you're getting is coming from. I could say that about food. You don't have to join our cooperative. You don't have to join any one, but go to a farmer's market, go to a farm, go somewhere close and local. These people, you know, it's a local economy. It stays in, you know, the, that farmer pays for local dance lessons for his kids. You know, it, it all stays local. And um, I'm a little worried about the businesses that already have closed shop in Salem and will possibly be closing shop in all of our communities. So just, you know, sign on to an online class, shop local, and do it all with kindness. I like that idea. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I definitely want to bring up one quick thing. Um, people hear about co-ops and farmer's market, and the first thing that they will do will be complaining about the price. What would you say to a person that says, but it's so expensive. What do I do? Like, I, I want to get that food, but it's so expensive. There is a point to that in that if you're not already buying uh, organic foods uh, that, you know, you can't compare us or a farmer's market to a giant chain. Uh, and those giant chains are very possibly uh, remotely growing things with very few crew, very little labor, lots of inputs that are not organic. Um, so that when you put your money into something at a farmer's market, organic or not, you are paying that farmer. He's paying his property taxes that are just as high as yours. He's yeah. paying a crew that if you're living in the Northeast, you know what we get paid. We're not at seven fifty an hour. You know, we're, we're paying real money and you are also feeding yourself something that has been tended to with care by someone that you get to meet. There's value to that. And that right there, my friend is the perfect way to end our beautiful conversation. I mean, no, you know, honestly, you just, I mean, you, you I mean, God, I, I, I'm going to stop talking because you just said it best. <laughs> Julie, Julie, thank you so very much. I mean, it's, I mean, I can't wait. I mean, in a couple of weeks, I cannot wait to get my food, and, but I mean, I just can't wait. So I appreciate you. I appreciate Tamara. I appreciate everything that you're doing for our community. Um, and as a Caribbean kid that has only eaten from like, you know, the best of the best. And I have a chef for a mom, food is life. And Great fresh food is, is everything. So thank you so very much. You're very welcome. I hope we get to get some Callaloo this year. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely.